Good morning, community of faith. How's everybody doing? Yeah, good. Glad to hear it. You know, we had a group last night that came in from Grand Rapids, Michigan, a student group. They drove 20 hours, got here to our church, and they hadn't even had a, had a break yet. They'd just been driving the whole way. And they got out, and they could not believe Houston heat. You know? Think about that. I told them I should have preached on hell. It would have been perfect, you know? But it was like, it, it was just like so hot last night and, and humid, and it's, it's been crazy, you know? Um, but don't you like having, like, the last couple of weeks, Marco and Wes, did you enjoy them, those of you that were? Yeah. I mean, I love having uh, some teaching pastors like that that can just chip in. And one guy told me, he goes, Marco got an ovation at the end of his message. When was the last time that happened for you? <laughs> he told me that last night. So I told him, I said, I, said, well, I, I don't even remember when the last time was. So why don't you start it? And then last night after I finished, you heard. I told him when people are under deep conviction, it's hard to clap, but it's just like, <laughs> I want you to travel back in time with me, okay? I'm going to talk about evil days right now, and I'm going to talk about what you do in evil days, when the days are evil. Go back in time, Memphis, April 3rd, 1968, Martin Luther King is up speaking to a, a huge crowd. And though you can sense the threat in the air, um, Dr. King frames his whole message this way. He says, what if the Almighty came to me and, and he asked me, Martin Luther King, when would you like to live in all of history? And he said, he went through he went through all of history. He started way back in Egypt, and then he went through the ancient Greeks and Romans and skipped all the way up to the Renaissance and the Reformation, and then up to those days in 1968 when it seemed like the whole fabric of the nation was close to unraveling. And here is Dr. King's imagined answer to the Almighty's question. He says this. Let me just read it to you. Strangely enough, I would turn to the Almighty and say, if you allow me to live just a few years in the second half of the 20th century, I will be happy. Now that's a strange statement to make because the world is all messed up. The nation is sick. Trouble is in the land. Confusion all around. That's a strange statement. But I know somehow that only when it's dark enough can you see the stars and you can feel the power building as he's finishing out this moment, this final moment, and he says this, well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop and I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land and I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. The next day, 
Martin Luther King was assassinated. Evil days. I think about that. How can a man live like that? It's, just, it's as if he, he knew. He's talking about longevity and talking about living a few short years. But I think that Martin Luther King knew something that we desperately need to know today because the days are evil. And what he would say, the days are evil. What a perfect time to be alive. What an amazing time to be alive. And the Bible speaks that out really clearly. This is what's so amazing at the, about the Bible. Sometimes we don't realize what it's saying. I think today it's gonna turn a lot of things on its head for you. So I want you to pull out your sermon notes with me and let's look in Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 21. Let me just read it for you. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. I want you to see, first of all, what the Bible says is that evil days are not obstacles, but opportunities. Evil days are not obstacles, but opportunities. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. We tend to read this little verse in Ephesians as if Paul is calling believers to action because the time is short, but that's not what he's saying. He didn't say the time was short. He said the time, the days are evil. Evil days are days of opportunity. The more evil our culture becomes, the more opportunities there will be to show and to share our faith. God controls human history. It's God himself. And he permits the rise of nations, determining their boundaries and orchestrating their fall. Acts 17 tells us that's so that men and women will seek the Lord. History is his story, providing salvation for a lost world and pointing people to the Lord. And even the forces of evil are used in such a way that All the kingdoms of the earth will know that he alone is God. We see that in Isaiah 37. Evil upsets people's well-ordered lives, presenting them with dilemmas beyond their control and their understanding. Evil brings pain, but it's the genius of God and only God who can bring good out of evil, Romans 8, 28. Some of us this morning are are full of fear. We look at our country and it's not like it used to be. What's going on with our country? Where's all this headed? But I want you to realize something. Write this down. Hinge points in history usually come when the days are evil. Hinge points in history usually come when the days are evil. Listen to what David Roper says. Evil times, therefore, are not to be feared. They are times of unparalleled opportunity. That's why we must make the most of them. Now, what he's setting forth there is a a principle that very few Christians seem to really grasp in practical living. Essentially, that evil days create 
opportunities and understanding this, we've got to make the most of those opportunities. It says redeem the time. Write this down. What is redeem? What does that mean? It means to exchange for something, to buy up, to bargain hunt. It's a marketplace word in that day. The word that's used there, it's a very common word. And it's used in the marketplace to buy up a bargain. Amazon Prime Day is coming up. How many of you know that? Coming up in just a couple of weeks. You forgot already, right? But you won't when it comes because it's going to be all over the place. And those Prime Day deals, you know, Amazon's the, 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 the huge behemoth of a, a company that's able to make its own Black Friday, right? In the middle of July. And those deals, they don't last very long. Some of them have a clock on them, you know, and you got to get in there and get the deals while the deals are there, right? That's what this word is talking about. I want you to imagine with me that you have a stock right now that's worth a million dollars. Some of you are going like, oh, I wish. A stock that's worth a million dollars, okay? And the world loves it. It's the hot stock right now, but you've got some insider information. Hopefully you won't go to prison for. But you've got some insider information that next year at this time, that stock its value is going to go basically to zero. It's going to be almost absolutely worthless. What are you going to do with that stock? You're going to redeem it for something else. You're going to buy up something else. You're going to trade that stock for something else, right? What if there was another stock and you knew from insider information that that stock was, though the, the, the world wasn't valuing it at all right now, was going to go up in value a hundred times over, 10,000%. And you knew this was gonna happen and it wouldn't be just for a year or two years, but you're talking about in the next billion years, the stock's just gonna keep rising. You'd do anything you could to invest in that stock, couldn't you? Well, we as Christians have some insider information. You realize that, right? And we know some things about the world and we know some things about what's gonna last that the world doesn't have that information. It seems like a lot of times we're seeing these evil days as obstacles and what God is saying, they're opportunities. Remember the rich young man that came to Jesus and um, he uh, came to Jesus and, and he, he's really seeking and, and everybody loved this guy. He was handsome, he was fabulously wealthy, he was a ruler of the Jewish people and he came to Jesus and he's really sincere and he's lived a pretty good life, really, a good life. And he says, good teacher, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do to, to inherit this eternal life that you keep talking about? And Jesus looked at him and he said, for you? which he does for all of us. He looks us right in the eyes and says, for you, what you need to do, all you need to do, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. Because he knew what his God was. And it said the young man just bowed his head down. Maybe some tears fell from his eyes. And he walked away sorrowful, for he was very wealthy. 
And then Jesus said, how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And why did he say that? Because we're trying to make heaven here and now for us. We're trying to find comfort. We're trying to make our place here. We're trying to find our little piece of heaven, right? That's what you're looking for, that, that retirement place or whatever it is. It's like this little, I want a little piece of, and it's like you're not going to find it here. Peter's always speaking up and he says, well, Jesus, if that good guy, I mean, if he can't be saved, then who can be saved? And, 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 and we've left everything to follow you. What, what does that even mean for us? Listen to what Jesus said in Mark 10, 29. I'm just gonna read it for you, okay? So just listen and think of Jesus talking. Jesus said, I can promise that anyone who has left their home their brothers, their sisters, their mother, their father, their children, their farm for me and for the good news about me will get a hundred times more than they left. Here in this world, they will get more homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, farms. And with these things, they will have persecutions. But in the world that is coming, they will also get the reward of eternal life. Many people who have the highest place now will have the lowest place then. And the people who have the lowest place now will have the highest place then. Buy up the opportunities. There's some real bargains out there. I mean, there are some amazing things happening out there. And it's, it, it, it's amazing. This is an evil day. My good friend, Michelle, her life hadn't turned out like she thought that it was gonna turn out. She'd ended up living basically under a bridge and here on the 290, in the 290 area. And then she went to uh, the, the women's shelter that we work with and are there with and she got to know us. And one of the things that's really cool is we as a church got to befriend her. She didn't want the same life for her little girl that was just born. And we got to find a place for her as community of faith. And so we went to the, to the apartments that are there behind uh, Gringos and I uh, went to them and I said, hey, I wanna work a deal because I think this might be the first of many things that happen. And they said, okay, we'll give you a deal full price. Well, we paid it. All right, so everybody was kind of doing the same thing. Um, but we got a place for Michelle and then she's got a great job and she's paying us back and it's cost, it's cost us basically just a few hundred dollars a month. And Michelle, I am so proud of her. She has turned her life around. She is doing, I mean, she's the most amazing and, and she's like a sister to me. Michelle's over here. I want you to stand up, Michelle, just so that they can see you. I love you. I'm so proud of her, I'm so proud of you. I want you to know that. But it's changed her life, her daughter's life, her son that's coming to be with her now, his life, and, and, and it, it didn't cost that much. But it's amazing what God has done. There's, there, there's another uh, young lady that's living there. Her name's Debbie. And we got an apartment for her. She and her daughter were almost on the street. They were living in an unair-conditioned, last summer, an unair-conditioned apartment. She has stage four 
colon cancer, kind of the same kind of cancer that, that Laura had. And, and we were trying to walk with them. And so we got them an apartment there too. And they haven't been able to pay us back yet because she's going through all the chemo and all that kind of stuff. But they're off the street. She's doing great. She said, it's like I've got a whole new family and they're like sisters to us. And it's, it's so worth it. And then those of you who just got back from Burundi, you, you've seen everything that God's doing there. And it's amazing what God has been doing in, in Burundi. And we're working with the Batwa people. They uh, used to be called the pygmies. They're the little ones, the most discriminated against in the world. And uh, make $100 a year as a family. Can you imagine trying to live on that? I, I mean, I can't even imagine. But um, we have a family that went a few years ago, and you know about our porridge factory there, but this family was gonna buy a vacation home, and they'd been saving for years and years and years. And then they told Claude and, and told me while we were there, we've been saving this money, we have $250,000, we want to get the porridge factory started right now. And we're going to give that up, give up our vacation home, and we're going to start this, this porridge factory. And let me just tell you something. It's for fortified porridge. I mean, there's never been a time when I'm over there with the Batois that any one of them has ever said, I need to go on a diet. They don't have enough to eat. To eat. And, and those that we haven't reached yet, only two out of ten of their kids are living to age five because of malnutrition. I remember a beautiful, larger lady that went on one of our first trips, um, and she was there, and the Batwa ladies were dancing with her, and they were just, I mean, they were just drawn to her, and then they started putting their hands in the folds. She had a, some fat folds, and she was, they were putting their hands in there, and she's like going, and they said to her, you must be a queen where you come from, and she said, I'm moving here. Let me just say, you know, you think, think about it. It's like sold one vacation home, redeemed for 50,000 starving little children. Is it worth it? Oh, yeah, it's worth it. I mean, if you ask that couple, they would say it's worth it just to see what's happening over there with that and how it's going, not only uh, working in Burundi, but into the Congo and, and all the places around there. And it's starting to be this amazing, crazy thing. But that's not even talking about what's going to be happening in heaven one day for them. Jesus, did you hear what he said? He said, hey, when you give your stuff to heaven, when you get involved in the kingdom of God and what I'm doing and where I'm, I'm going to give you 10,000% interest. Did you get that anywhere? A hundred times. That means that their $250,000, at the very least, it will be worth what we would think of as $25 million all through eternity for them. There's bargains out there, man. They're all over the place, and it's because the days are evil. We as community of faith, we are committed to get involved in our city. And you've done so many amazing things, and your gifts have changed so many lives. Hope Rising, where the little girls are pulled out of sex trafficking. I just saw a bunch of them last night. They were here at our service. One of them's been adopted by one of you guys and gals. And I just, uh, I just uh, their lives have changed. They've got a big smile on their face. There's just so many amazing 
things going on. I want to just ask you something. I, I, let, me, let me just show you this. I got something to show you, all right? My, uh, my son was working at the American University in Iraq, and, um, and he's been over there, he'd been over there for about a year. I went over there to visit him. I got this bill right here. It's 25 dinars. You know how much this is worth? If you could see the picture on it, that's Saddam Hussein on the front. You know how much this is worth? Right, you guessed, right? Nothing. So I could just give these out like crazy. That's worth the paper that it's printed on. I've got something else here in my wallet. I got a few, this has got Benjamin Franklin's picture on it right here. It's about three of them. You know how much this is worth? Well, $300, right? You know which one of these is going to be worth more in a billion years? It's all going to go. But right now we have a chance to take these while they still have some value and, and put them into the kingdom of God, right? So who wants these $300? Who on the front? All right, come on over here, Carol. Carol wants them. Glad we have somebody that wants something there, right? All right, Carol. Now, wait. No, you don't have to give back to me. What you have to do is this week you invest that in the kingdom of God somewhere. You're going to find someone that's going to come across your path. And I want you to give that. And I want you to just put it on your phone or something so we can see the story next week. Okay. Okay. Will you do that? Give Carol a hand. But that's what you do. You, you take that and you put it in to something that matters and something that's going to last. And that's Carol's money now. It's not my money anymore. So it, she's going to get the credit for that. Okay. And that's what God does. He gives us stuff so that we can give it back out around the globe. Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. What does circumspectly mean? It means to be awake to the moment. Not careless, not preoccupied. It says redeem the time. The word time there is not tick-tock time in the Greek. It's the opportune moment. The idea is that God gives us choice moments to use for his purposes. And like a, a shrewd merchant, we reach out and we grab it. I can't do everything. I shouldn't do everything. Neither should you. But God has given you enough time to do his will. Work, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. How do you do that? You understand what the will of the Lord is, it says. The phrase, the will of the Lord, we always think of that as guidance. Like, where should I live? Should I, I live in this house or that house? Who should I marry? Should I marry this person or that person? You know, where should I go to school? Where should my kids go to school? All these kind of things. That's not what it's talking about here when it says the will of the Lord. What it's talking about, it's, it's something much bigger. It says, walk circumspectly, be awake to the will of the Lord. What is that? It's basically God's purpose for everything. God's purpose for everything. The point of everything. That's the will of the Lord. If you're living just to have a good job and, you know, pay the bills and enjoy your little pursuits and occasional trip to church when sports or other things don't interfere, Paul says, you're foolish. You don't understand the point. 
to walk carefully in this evil world, to walk circumspectly in this evil world. Don't be foolish. Understand what God's doing all the time. What is the point of all of it? I was listening on the news a couple of weeks ago. And the politicians are always interesting. Whatever side you're on, we don't ever get into that here. But every once in a while, I'll pull out something that seems interesting to me, like Alexandria Ocasio or Ocasio-Cortez. She, she said the world's going to end in 12 years due to global warming. And global warming is above my pay grade. I can't figure all that stuff out. But let me tell you something. I don't think she really believes it. And you say, well, what do you mean, Mark? How can you judge that? Because she's not living like a person who thinks the world's going to end in 12 years because she gets to talking about other stuff like free college. Let me ask you something. Who gives a rip about college? The world's going to end in 12 years. Why would I go to college? I'm not going to college. If the world's ending in 12 years, I'm going to do something different, right? And, And you say, well, what a hypocrite. No, wait a minute. What about us as Christians? I mean, we say, we know the point of everything. We, we get, but we're not living like that. We're not investing like that. I mean, we're trying to, we're freaking out right now because the days are evil and God's going like, no, I let you live in this day and I gave you the resources that I gave you so that you can make impact for my kingdom. There's some bargains out there. I want you to redeem it. I want you to redeem the time because the days are evil. If we don't understand what God is doing, we will live foolishly. Well, how do we live wisely? He says, walk, walk circumspectly. Now, when you walk, it's really two steps repeated over and over again, right? Right foot forward, left foot forward, right foot. It's, It's just these two steps. So What are the two repeated steps of a spiritual life? And this is going to change your life. This is so simple. But when you know this as a believer, this changes everything, all right? The first step, the first step is the emptying out of our own selfish ways. So you say, God, I want to empty out my own selfish way. Sigmund Freud in his general introduction to psychoanalysis, he said, Inside of all of us are these unchanged areas. They're kind of like the, the nature parks that some of the city fathers would let grow wild and, and stay the way they originally were so that people could stroll through and see what it used to be like. And he said, a lot of us spend a lot of time in those old places. And we as Christians, some of us, maybe it's not a little nature park, maybe it's a big central park. I don't know, you know, but we tend to get back there. And when you find yourself back in some of those old places, that's when you say, God, I, I, don't, I, I give this to you. I give this old place to you. I don't want to be back here anymore. This is my way. I give my agenda. I give that to you. And then the next step, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. God is three. God is one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is here and he wants to fill us as believers. How do you be filled with the Holy Spirit? It's one of the most important principles in all of the spiritual life. If you learn this, you'll have a source of supernatural power that will change everything about you. First of all, realize this is a command. It says, do not be drunk with wine 
but be filled with the Spirit. It's in the imperative tense, which means that it's a command form. It's not optional. It's in the present tense, which helps us. This is, the Greek is really informative when you look at the tense of the verb. It's in the present tense. It's what happens when you tell your children to go out and rake the pine needles and you look out an hour later and there's just a little corner that's been raked and the rest of the yard still covered in pine needles. You know, I thought I told you to rake the pine needles. We did. Okay, I want you to go out and rake and rake and rake and keep on raking the pine needles until they're all raked up. That's the present tense. Rake and rake and rake and keep on raking, okay? And that's what this says. Keep on being filled. Keep on. It's something that doesn't happen just once. I think God knows that we leak, you know? How do you get filled with the Spirit? How do you, how do, you do it? Well, it's interesting because Paul didn't write by accident, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. How do you get drunk with wine? It's a, he, he's saying there's some similarities there. You give yourself over to the wine and keep drinking. To be filled with the Spirit, you yield yourself totally to Him. And Jesus even said, He will be like rivers of living water inside of you. You just keep sipping from that, keep drinking from that. When the Spirit reveals an area to you that you haven't yielded to God, you say, here, it's yours. I give it to you. And you keep walking in that. It's in the passive voice, which is interesting because, you know, you you, you could say fill that hole with dirt. That's active voice. But when it says be filled with the Spirit, it didn't say fill yourself with the Spirit. You can't do it. But what the Bible teaches us is the Holy Spirit is just waiting to fill you if you're a believer. He's waiting. He already lives inside of you and he's waiting to fill you up. He's always ready. He's ready to do it. Now, being filled with the Spirit doesn't mean I have more of the Spirit. It means the Spirit has more of me, right? And it's a continual kind of thing. Write this down. To deal with the pressures of the evil day, you must use the law of equilibrium. Equalize the pressure. You've got to equalize the pressure. Have you ever flown in a plane? And they all, what do they always say? This cabin has been pressurized for your comfort. Do you ever notice that they say that? What they're saying is we blew this thing up with air like a big balloon. So it have 14 pounds of, of air pressure on you per square inch. And that's what it feels to walk on the earth. That's about what you get when you're at sea level. And we're trying to keep it like that because we're way up here. And if we didn't do that, your ears would be popping and all kinds of stuff would be happening, you know. But we've equalized the pressure inside and outside of you so that you don't just blow up, you know. That's what it's talking about. The evil day is going to come and it's going to push against you. It's going to try to crush you. You felt that? Some of you just, you felt the crushing of, uh, of the circumstances. But you have to have something inside that equalizes the pressure. And that's the Holy Spirit when you allow him to fill you. Anytime people get under pressure, they, they tend to seek out something, right? Don't get drunk with wine. You get under pressure and you're having an argument with your wife and, and you just reach for that beer and go like, let me have a couple of beers and we'll finish this argument. But some, 
times when I'm counseling people, they'll go like, I know I shouldn't have said that. It's just kind of the alcohol talking. Be filled with the spirit. Let the spirit talk instead of the alcohol, right? And, and, and we're always reaching for something. And some of you grew up Baptist and you're going like, that's right, pastor, you get them on that alcohol stuff, you know? <laughs> but what about food? Oh, crud. <laughs> See, that's mine. I mean, when I'm under stress, a balanced meal is the same amount of food in both hands. It's like... We, we, we try to fill ourselves with something, right? I mean, we, we're gonna fill ourselves with something. How can you tell when someone's filled with the Spirit? Is it because, you know, they're jumping over pews and, 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 ta- and chairs and, you know, and they're going like, shoulda bought a Honda. Bought a Toyota. No. No. And... I believe there's a prayer language. I believe all of that, but that's, that's not what's, what it is. It, it, it's, do they become some kind of wild-eyed fanatic or something? No, they're stable under pressure. That's how you know. In the evil day, they're thriving because they're filled with the Spirit. They're stable and strong under stress. Only God's Spirit can do that. And it's not a feeling or a crisis. It's that quiet drinking again and again of the fountain of living water, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. I just keep coming back to you. I keep coming back to you. I keep yielding those old ways, my agenda. See, you can't say, okay, I'm a believer and now Holy Spirit, I'm gonna, uh, you make me healthy, wealthy, and wise. I'm ready and here's how I'm gonna do it. So you just bless my plans. And see, when that doesn't happen, we get all mad at God because that's American religion. It's not in the Bible. In the Bible, it says, I'm coming to you, Jesus. What are your plans? What's your agenda? What are you doing? What's the big picture? I want to be a part of it. I want to get in on it. I don't want to miss it. And you know, a lot of people here in America, we're going to miss it because we're trying to build heaven here. And when we get up there, we didn't put anything up. We got a really nice vacation home and I think that's great. I'm not against that. I love that. But what are you doing for God's kingdom? And if he said, hey, why don't you sell that and give that for these 50,000 orphans or little hungry children to eat? You just say, okay, I'll do that. I want you to be first. See, that's one of the things. I used to never talk about resources and stuff like that because we always get uncomfortable and we always kind of get kind of bowed up. You know, he's talking about money. I think he's talking about money. Pretty sure. You know? And then I thought one day, you might get mad at me here when I do that, but I'd rather you be mad at me here than like billions of years there. Well, pastor, look at this crummy place where I am. And you did not say anything about that. You did not tell me how to do something different. And so like for several billion years, you're kind of hacked off at me, you know? We'll get over it eventually, 20 billion years from now. Look what Paul says, and I'll close. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will melt and disintegrate and the earth and everything done on it shall be 
exposed. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what kind of people should you be? Live your lives in holiness and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. In that day, the heavens will be dissolved by fire and the elements will melt in the intense heat. That doesn't sound like global warming. That sounds like nuclear catastrophe, doesn't it? And God already knows how it's going to wrap up. But in keeping with his promise, we look for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Therefore, loved ones, while you are looking for these things, make every effort to be found in shalom, peace, spotless and blameless before him. Shalom is a a word pulled out of the Hebrew. Shalom, it it means well-being. It means God's plan for completion. It's how the church is supposed to live, to make, we do try to bring little pieces of heaven to earth. Let your will be done on earth with the batwa. Those kids shouldn't be dying before age five. Let, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I tried to watch a show on HBO this last week about teen life. It's a new one out, you know, and it was pretty despairing for me. I, I was despairing by the time I got just a little bit into it and I couldn't continue to watch it. It just had so much crud and stuff in it, but also it was just so empty. Teenagers, man, it's tough out there. The days are evil. This little gal that was in it, like she suffered from anxiety disorder and, and, and the only way she could ever find peace was she had to get so high that she was precariously close between life and death. And then there would be this moment that it kind of everything just kind of, and I was thinking, gosh, how empty. And their whole life, it was just one thing after the other, like nothing mattered, relationships, people, it was just all throwaway stuff. Golly, to be a teenager, parents, man, you got to pray for your teen every single day. It's tough out there. But God says, that's not what I want for you. That's not shalom. That's not really peace. That's numbness. I want shalom. I want you to live in my plan, in my dream. What's it going to cost you to live in God's dream? You know what it's going to cost you? Everything. Right? You knew that, right? When you stepped into this journey, you knew it was going to cost everything, right? Or did no one tell you? Someone should have told you. It's going to cost everything. Every time he says, that's mine, and that's mine, and that's mine, you say, yes, it is. Fill me, Holy Spirit. This part of your life is mine. This time is mine. This, yes, it's yours. Even if you stood before him and said, what do I need to do to have that abundant life, eternal life? It's not just a a length of time. It's a quality of time. What do I need to do? And he looked right at you and he said, I want you to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. He doesn't say that to everybody. He said that to that guy, but he might say it to you. If you can't stand before him and say, okay, then you haven't figured out what it means yet to be one of his. See, I've got a dream for you. I've got a dream for me. And that is that we're standing one day by the crystal sea. I don't even know what that looks like. Cancun is going to put Cancun to shame, you know. 
By the way, Cancun is doing amazing. You've invested so much there. They're having their first anniversary of their building. And talk about brothers and sisters, our hermanos and hermanas. We've got them there like crazy. I'm going to go see them next week for you and lay on the beach and think about you. (laughs) Pray for you while you're working back here in the humidity. No, we're going to stand beside the crystal sea. We're going to throw our heads back and just bust out a big old laugh and go, man, was that a ride or what? That whole earth thing. Was that cool or what? Did we live that full out or what? Did we understand the point of everything? Man, what a ride that was. I think Martin Luther King can say that. I know he's not perfect. I'm just saying he got it I want you to get it would you close your eyes with me Jesus I give you everything Holy Spirit As I walk through this week, point out to me areas where I'm still walking in those old ways. I give that to you. And I'm not even going to be the one that that tries so desperately to change it like I have. I'm going to ask you to fill me and you give me the power to change it. See, I thought it was up to me, but it's not. It's up to you. Fill me. God, I I don't think I could give you my my stuff right now. I, I, I don't think I'm willing to do that right now but Holy Spirit fill me I want you to make me willing I'm willing to be made willing Father come upon us kingdom of God be done will of God be done kingdom come in Jesus name upon us and through us to the world around us Amen